Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon. It's the 14th of September. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, markets, and startups. I'm Nadine Blaney, here with Annette Beecher. Um, okay, let's start with the market, shall we? Uh, before we get into all up the macro stuff. Up and down stuff. and up and down. I didn't know what to do But from about one o'clock on, I mean, it was pretty steady. There was a bit of selling into the close uh, when I was on air at... Oh, quarter past three here in Sydney. It was up by about a quarter of 1%, but still up 12 points, close to two tenths of a percent. I don't think that's a bad performance overall. I think we were we were lacking. I mean, when I looked at some of the individual stocks, it was a little bit of tailwind for the banks, energy, gold. Like there's no one theme that covers those three sectors and yet they all seem to do okay. The one theme uh, was the energy sector. So it did really well overall. It was up by about 4.5%. So Beach, Woodside, Oil Search, Santos, all the big guys looking pretty schmick as we uh, watched oil prices get a bit of a bounce through the overnight and continue on through the Asian session. But yeah, you're right. There's sort of a lack of direction. There wasn't a lot of lack. There wasn't a lot of volume going nope. through. Um, if we take a look at how we performed against uh, the rest of the region, at least at this time, I mean, we saw Japan's market up by about one percent, so underperforming some other major markets. I think the Hang Seng is an exception to that rule. Uh, E-minis, you know, at this time, so pretty close to five o'clock here in Sydney, still looking, um, you know, pretty positive. So that's the setup. As far as stock-specific news, again, I hate oh, the to big one was, it. The big one was Brambles, oh, really. Yeah. Down was, by 8%. That was down about 12% at one stage. I had to look into it because, as you do, when something stands out that much. And the Investor Day was about investing for the future, going digital, which means that's a short-term hit to profits in order to sink money into the business. So I sort of thought that was a bit unfair. I mean, if you're, if you're blowing cash for no discernible uh, reason, I guess you would deserve a stock price hit. But to reinvest in the company to move forward, I thought, eh, a little little mean. Well, City has weighed in, saying that it sees higher risk around its digital investment because it is investing $450 million US into supply chain investments. But City says, look, it looks pretty low risk and should ultimately improve company decision-making. It last published a buy rating on the company in a $13.58 target. Uh, it's down. Well, let me just <laughs> check to $11.17. But it will be interesting because this is day one mm. of a two-day investor conference. We'll see we'll what get the other more brokers, detail yeah. on pallets and then we'll start to see the brokers weighing in after that. So that was one lot of news. McMahon did well today. It was up by two and a quarter percent after just announcing a bit of a contract win. Um, we've got uh, Toro, I think it was, talking about uh, drilling 
update. I don't want to go too far into that one. Just let me check that ticker code. Um, but a lot of the conversation or the imagination was around, yeah, it was Toro Energy, uh, was around the uranium stocks. It's, it's something that uh, I know one of our Osby's friends, Fraser McLeod down there at Shore and Partners, he's been talking about it for ages. And then Heath Moss weighed in last week and again today with uranium. Now, what just to be perfectly clear, it's not because Australia is changing its stance on nuclear power. Oh, no. It's just because we have it and we can ship it out to global demand for nuclear energy. And I had a few conversations today about, yes, it's a momentum trade. Yes, it's got the Wall Street bets crowd interested, meme stocks, all the rest of it. But there are fundamentals supporting it. And uh, we've got this Sprott Uranium Trust in Canada that is going out and buying physical gold, which is helping to support the price. And that's Mm -hmm. driving it up. So you've got buyers, real buyers in the market as well. So yeah, via the show notes, you can listen to that update on Heath's high-risk uranium stock calls. But there's a few interviews on uranium up on Mm. the website if you want to go check them out, if it is tickling your fancy. Also, if uh, semiconductors, semis, and the shortage there is tickling your fancy, there's an interview that you can listen to via the show notes as well. That's, again, one of those themes that continues to We emerge. can't escape it until, I mean, I spoke to WeBit Nano you know, last week. They're providing the technology that gets them produced faster. So we need supply now. Otherwise, we'll be having businesses complain about supply shortages for the, re- the rest of the year and into next year. Yeah, this guy, Mark Kennis from Stocks Down Under, he says he's been actually following semis and analyzing them since the early 1990s. He says hmm. cycles do come and go, but this one is for real and there is a way to make money on it. And that a lot of these small Australian companies are really positioning themselves for the future, you know, even beyond Mm. this uh, supply shock in semis. So that's, I think, an interesting one to listen to if we're looking for some of those overarching uh, stock Super cycles, semis. (laughs) Safe to say, though, um, just on the uranium stocks again, they they did actually, we saw some profit taking in those names. Uh, For example, Lotus, which, you know, we've talked about for the first time. I think Boss and Paladin are the two that keep coming up. They were both down. Boss was down by 3.4%, Paladin 4% apiece. Hey, listen, before we get into macro, because I know we want to talk about the RBA and low and inflation and housing and all that kind of stuff, let's just get through the stock of the day, which was Vulcan Energy. It is raising $200 million at $13.50 a share, VUL is the ticker code. So here's what Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool and Howard Coleman from Team Invest have to say about Vulcan. Three years ago, I had 31 million shares outstanding. Two years ago, 67 million shares. Then 108 million shares. Now they're raising more capital again today. If they can put it to good use, if they can deliver an economic return for shareholders, it's a great idea and a great decision. They should do it over and over again. Frankly, if you're going to raise capital, you want to do it at a high price and a stock that's up as we saw on that chart, 1,600%. Now, it's probably a very good time to raise some capital. If you're a commodity investor and you want to have a go and you like zero carbon, you like lithium, I get why it's sexy. It's sexy as hell. I'm just not sure whether I want to invest my money in it. And this one combines geothermal energy um, at the same time with lithium, at the same time with zero carbon, and it's in Europe. You know, you couldn't have a lot of things that sounded nicer. But as Scott says... They've had a capital raising every year. Uh, where's any demonstration that this will ever make any money? So as a, an ex-scientist, I'm enthused about what they're doing. As an investor, uh, we'd look at the figures for it over the last four years. 
increasing losses every year. Great idea. Hope they succeed. No thanks. Don't want to put my money into it. So that is not going in the portfolio. Hey, look, it's another one of those big themes, right? Lithium battery technology, mm-hmm. world first, zero carbon, all those buzzwords. But it doesn't mean every stock goes up every time. No. There's nothing moves in a straight line when it comes to super cycles. And I can tell you that that is not going in the portfolio. You can listen to their full reasoning uh, via the show notes or via the call podcast, via the app, you know, all the drill. So now, Annette, <laughs> that's why I, I always get the macro <laughs> COB chat. Just it's good. It, just to summarize, though, we had the data first. NAB business survey yeah. dropping for August. I was surprised. Let's put it that way. We know the whole survey fell out of bed in July, but that was before everyone was in proper lockdown. So I thought August would be dire. Uh, let's face it, all in lockdown creeping our way through vax rates and yet everything picked up uh confidence rose still in the negative i won't oversell it sorry but it stopped it didn't fall further and conditions actually popped higher driven by trading and profitability so that doesn't sound like a business sector that's going into a downward spiral so that's why i thought "Hmm, that's not too bad the scary part um Everything to do with prices, whether it's wages, prices paid, prices received, all very lofty levels. So there's still that sticky concern there. Speaking with Stephen Halmarek, he's obviously a business banker Mm -hmm. as well over at CBA because I asked him this afternoon, your two top questions from clients. He said it's access to labour and logistics. Mm -hmm. So that's where the price pressures are coming from. And What did the survey tell us as far as hiring intentions? Oh, they're very lofty. That's the thing. They they want the labour, a bit like the US, we keep waiting for these blockbuster payrolls, but the supply isn't there. Mm -hmm. We're still adjusting to a closed border world. And let's face it, that's international and state. Mm -hmm. So labour flexibility is zero at the moment. So there might be plenty of jobs out there. We find that out every week and every month with the various job ad surveys, but the supply isn't coming through. So yeah, that was an interesting one, I thought. So to me, it was just a box tick going, because you, it's a I don't know, it's, a, it's always like a self-fulfilling prophecy that if confidence keeps collapsing, it's really hard yeah. to put that case together for a, for a snap back. But I think businesses are ready to snap back when they're allowed to. Well, that's I think that's awesome. I had yeah, a good chat no. with Sarah Hunter from BIS Oxford Economics about that. So that interview, your interview with Stephen Halmerick will be yeah. up online. So what do you think we can extrapolate from that for the all-important jobs read come Thursday? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's it is down to interpretation. It's down to are you attached to your employer? If you are through JobKeeper, you kept your job. Well, now there's no JobKeeper. So there's going to be a lot of grey in this report. So whether it's down 50 or down 300,000, which is the most bearish forecast out there, we'll again be looking at hours worked. All the economists have twigged that hours worked is a great predictor of, of GDP. So, And speaking to Saul Eslake on the big picture, he said the definition of of a recession should be a big jump in the unemployment rate. So that's always worth a look at Mm. as well. Lots of moving parts, 
come Thursday at 11.30. The RBA speech today, it's a big annual event for the Anika Foundation. You did say that we can expect unemployment with a five in front of it. With a five in front of it, which... You know, when I was studying economics, an unemployment rate with a five was something to aspire to, not something to complain about. Well, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just read the Canadian unemployment rate at 7.1 or 2. Forgive yeah. me if I get the decimal point wrong, but I thought, huh. They're, okay. they're tapering and tightening with a yeah. you know, the unemployment rate starting with a seven. So I, I think the RBA the governor, as much as, you know, he's a pretty sort of solid figure but he was smiley he was optimistic he sees this as a bump in the road we'll get to the other side I think some of that is it's also his job so I think that did come through with the business confidence survey is businesses are desperate to be confident the RBA wants to be confident and what helps with the stock market I think this afternoon is he told us yet again that interest rates are not changing Mm -hmm. until 2024 so businesses can plan and invest knowing that cash rates are not going to move and he basically said that's my job and It's not his job to fix housing. It's not his Mm -hmm. job to fix all other ills of the economy. But he can guarantee one thing, which is he's not going to change interest rates. And still, I guess, reiterating the narrative that monetary policy is doing what it can. It's It's maxed out. Yeah. It's absolutely maxed out. So I I did get that impression a few times today that, you know, he's, he's basically saying fiscal policy can fill the hole. I thought it was one thing that I, that was a bet each way that I did sort of joke with with Stephen Howmarrick was he said that we've got house prices where they are because of policy, but we're not going to use policy to get house prices back down again. That's someone else's problem. Like, let's deal with the tax a system. Bit cheeky. I thought so. <laughs> uh, you know, for an RBA governor to sort of say, well, we'll help on the way Over up, but we're not going to slam yeah. them on the way down. So let's open up supply of housing and land. Let's change the tax code. Let's yeah. let's do other things. So I thought that was a little bit uh, – that's about as cheeky and exciting as an RBA <laughs> governor can get. Actually, low. <laughs> hate to say it. Okay, so also I like your view. I like your angle in the newsletter today because – you read into it as well that the RBA governor is cognizant of the fact at how mm-hmm. difficult a time this is, particularly for small to medium-sized businesses yeah. and those who are running them and working in them. That's right. Small businesses, you know, they only hire one or two people. A lot of time your house is on the line, your family household is uh, on the line as well. And as I say in the view, uh, the Anika Foundation's been going for so long, I think there's a whole generation of people who aren't aware of what it is. Uh, it investigates and researches into adolescent suicide and depression uh, of which the the whole you know community is uh, is behind this that's this has been going since 2005 mm-hmm. so this has been around for a long time but because of the pandemic we all know the calls to lifeline have absolutely accelerated and so the RBA governor has to put it in governor terms but he basically said small and medium businesses are just hanging on and they're just surviving so that was a nod to the mental health cost of this pandemic which is very real as we know uh 
we are now looking forward to, and apologies if you're listening to this podcast in the morning, which I know a few of you do, you will know the outcome of that US inflation rate. It's really odd. Like, you know, I feel like this is the sixth one now that we've spent too much time on. I didn't mention it once today. I think maybe once I'll put a chart in the chart of the day. I think we've stopped obsessing about it, maybe maybe because all the governors are basically saying, well, we've got the inflation going and let's talk about payrolls. So I spend a lot more time with The Economist mm-hmm. hat on, pre-payrolls, post-payrolls, what does it mean, doves and hawks and whatever. So this CPI report, if my old colleagues at TD are right, the consensus is looking for 0.3. TD's looking for 0.15. Oh, really? That could be a game changer in terms of automatically expecting a tapering by year end. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to highlight that I read that report mm. and a lot of the transitory inflation associated with travel is going to Coming roll off. over. Yep. And so they're, I don't know if they're at the bottom of the market, but they're certainly half what the rest of the market's looking for. So it, so rather than surprise to the upside, yeah. hooray, we might get a surprise to the downside. Well, we will see. I'll be watching out for it, no doubt. And uh, we'll be discussing it on the channel tomorrow. We've got some great guests lined up to help us do so. It's also the Apple products launch tonight. So, you know, I'm good. I know. I know. I won't be lining up for anything anytime soon. Well, even if I was allowed to, I wouldn't be lining up for anything anytime soon. But still, that always gets a bit of chatter going in the market as well. So um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Who knows what it will be? There's not any big economic data. Well, there is. There's China. a Westpac. There's the Westpac, Westpac sentiment. consumer sentiment here yep. and the data the China deluge. Yep. And that will include industrial production. So that will be really instructive as well. So I reckon, Annette, we should go. We should catch up on the interviews we missed today live on Ausbiz. And then we should go get a, a, bit, of our, yep. uh, a bit of our sleep. Fresh start. 8.30 tomorrow. Fresh we'll be here. Daisy. See you then. <laughs>